Well, I'll tell you, um, if you ever need an, a boost of your confidence, just have Leanna say some nice things about you in front of the church. Um, the last 14 months have been some of the richest uh, 14 months of ministry that I've had the opportunity to do. A lot of that is thanks to you, so thank you for inviting me to be a part of what God is already doing through Tribuco Press. It's been such an awesome time. Good morning. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Easter. I don't even know what to say in this like in-between time between Christmas and New Year, so I'm just going to go with Happy New Year. Uh, we, I am excited to be able to share with you this morning. We um, have taken time over the last several weeks to reflect on the significance of the birth of Christ, the significance of the birth narrative, the birth story as told through the Gospels, uh, taking a careful look at each of the, uh, the characters in the Advent um, that each reveal an important value in this very significant event. Uh, we looked at the humility and the importance of John the Baptist. We looked at the rejoicing of Elizabeth when she encountered the baby Jesus, the faithfulness of Mary, and the obedience of the shepherds to step into the presence of the Messiah without fear, all of which set an example for us in our faith as we encounter the baby Jesus. And as we explored all of these things, we came to the climactic arrival of the Messiah, the climactic arrival of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, one who entered into this world without drama, without fanfare, but entered in with a humble spirit, and he came lying in a manger. This child, this son that was born was to be the savior of all humanity for all time, and yet he was born in a barn, in a trough. The king who was to reign over the earth came to the earth in a little town on a quiet night to a young man and a young woman who were not royalty, who did not have status or position, but had somehow found favor with our God. To say the least, this was not the uproarious entrance that the Jewish people had been imagining the Messiah would come in for thousands of years. And even still, despite the humble entrance, the shepherds still came to honor and give praise. The magi still came to give gifts and offerings and worship. The heavens and the angels couldn't help but rejoice and react. And friends, we too still respond to this birth of this baby boy. Liturgically, every single year, we take a whole month to inspect and analyze the birth of Christ. We take a whole month, it's become a, part, a, normal, uh, a normal part of our rhythm as a church uh, to celebrate the birth of Emmanuel, God with us here on earth. We have weeks of activities and worship and special events and Advent devotionals and uh, all of which is bookmarked with our Christmas Eve services. And then it's over. That's it. It's just done. You know, I've, also, I've often wondered what the conversation was like among the Magi as they traveled home from meeting the baby Jesus. Like, how do you just like 
What do you talk about? Like, did you catch the game last night? Uh, Mighty weather we've been having. Can we stop for snacks and a bathroom break, please? Like, how? after encountering the baby Jesus, the Messiah that they've been waiting for for thousands of years, what do you do? How do you just go back to your normal life? How do you just continue on? And in many ways, I think we too can be caught in that very same conundrum. As the Christmas lights start to come down, we start chucking the tree out to the street side. We return to work and school. I wonder if there isn't a little part of us that's caught in this place of wondering, what now? What do we do now? What do we do now that we've celebrated the birth of Christ? What do we do now that we've had this divine encounter and we've inspected the birth of this miraculous event? I remember when I was going through college and I, and, I, and I graduated, I had done all of this work for six years to graduate from college and get this piece of paper. I'd put in all of these hours and hours, thousands of hours of studying and, and being in lectures and working on assignments and writing massive papers and, and submitting all of these things and worked really hard for six years. That was my entire life focus for that time. And then I graduated. I crossed that stage. I got that piece of paper. There was a, there was an, a nice party that we had at my house, and there was a celebration. And I was like, great, now I can retire. <laughs> no. There was a what now? What do I do now that that's done? Well, get a job, Caleb. <laughs> there was a task to be completed. And I think that's, that is also our response to the Advent story. There's a task now. That's the what now. And luckily, we're not left in the, in the dark on this. We have Scripture, which gives us some examples of people who did meet Jesus. And we're going to walk through some stories today of people who had an encounter with Christ and how they responded and how we can then apply that to our own lives. Um, there are a few different ways that people responded to, to being and seeing and interacting with Jesus, but I think the best encapsulation of all of these different responses comes from the book of Hebrews. The author of the book of Hebrews has spent a decent amount of time leading up to this section that we're about to read, reflecting on the sacrifice of Christ. He's been, they've been reflecting on the persecution, the death, and the resurrection, which we all now benefit from, all of which stems from the birth of a baby boy 2,000 years ago. And this is how the author says we are to respond. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. The very first encouragement we receive from Hebrews is to draw near to God. 
to draw near to God in response to encountering Christ. Part of the very reason why Christ came the way that he did in human form was to show us that he is a relational God who desires to spend time with us. Jesus didn't come to say, here I am, okay, bye, see you in 2,000 years or thousands of years. Jesus came to engage with his people, be in relationship with them and love them, and set the precedent for continuing that relationship to even today. We are invited to draw near to the God who's drawing near to us first. I think the story of Martha and Mary illustrates this. As Jesus is doing his ministry and engaging uh, with people, he, come, he makes um, some friends with two women named Martha and Mary, and uh, Luke chapter 10 uh, describes their interaction. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Over the past few weeks, I can attest that I have been a little bit more of a Martha. I have been, uh, as we've been preparing and hosting, putting together things and and gathering gifts and wrapping and working on uh, celebrating together, hosting youth parties and things like that, I 100% have been so distracted by the busyness of the season that I'll be the first to say that I forgot to sit at the feet of the I forgot to draw near to God. And yet the desire of our God is for us to simply sit at his feet. To sit at his feet and listen to him. Engage in relationship with him. Friends, the birth of Christ brings with it an invitation to step closer to the manger. To draw nearer to our God. To sit at his feet and be in an intentional relationship with him. And here's the thing. Hebrews does not call us to come to draw near to God with our hat in hand and and shame and guilt and full of of regrets. Hebrews says that we are called to draw near to God without shame or guilt. There was a, a Roman Catholic nun who painted a picture that I wanted to share with you. And the more I look at this painting, the more symbolism that pops up. You've got Eve holding the apple on the left-hand side. You've got the mother Mary with Christ in the womb on the right. The snake is wrapped around Eve's ankle, but is being stomped out by the mother of Christ. Eve, wrapped up in the deceit of the serpent, is being comforted by the birth of Christ. The shame with which she approaches is comforted by the birth of Christ. The birth of Jesus was never meant to be something that made us feel guilty. It was never meant to be something that brought shame. But it's an opportunity to invite us, as we are, into the presence of God and rest in His grace through the birth of Christ.
The second way in which Hebrews encourages us to respond to the birth of Christ is to encourage, to encourage one another with it. A common reaction with, uh, from people interacting with Christ was to go out and share it. The Gospels talk about different people after meeting Christ that would go back to their hometowns, go back to their villages, and, and share with anybody who would listen about this, this dude that was like doing things and like was, was making an impact on their lives, and people thought they were crazy. Perhaps you recall the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. She met Jesus and immediately ran back to her village exclaiming, Come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of their town and made their way toward him. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Or perhaps the man whom Jesus healed from being possessed by demons, he was so enthralled at this encounter with Christ that he begged to be able to just go and be with Jesus and and follow him. Jesus says this, Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Time and time and time and time again, we see the gospel sharing how people interacted with Christ, Christ made an impact on their lives, and then they go out and share it as a result. We have the same charge, friends. We have the same charge. Hebrews says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess considering how we may spur one another on or encourage one another towards good works. Engaging with the living God is a big deal. How can we not proclaim it from the mountaintops? The final encouragement from Hebrews in response to interacting with Christ is to gather. It's to gather. This is probably one of my favorite ones. It's what we're doing right now. We're gathering together. We are called to gather in community, to learn from each other, to to spend time with each other, encourage one another. The early church set the example of this in Acts chapter 2. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We don't just meet every Sunday because that's what we've always done. We don't just meet on Sundays because it's kind of like a cool concert although our worship team is pretty darn good. We don't just meet on Sundays for the free coffee and donuts, although that's a perk. We don't gather just because I'm a cool guy to hang out with, although that is a really good perk. We gather together to share in the riches of doing life with Christ together as a community. We gather to encourage one another in our pursuit of an active relationship with our God. 
We gather to spur one another on, be a community that loves each other and advocates for each other. We gather together to reflect on the birth of a baby boy 2,000 years ago. Friends, as we continue to do life together and reflect on the miracle of the Advent, this is our response. Our response is to draw nearer to the God who first came near to us. Our response is to encourage one another, share the miracle that has happened, shout it from the mountaintops that God is alive, that God is working, that God desires a relationship with you. And our response is to continue to gather together, sharing in the riches of this life together, being a community for the kingdom of God, especially as the day draws near. That is our encouragement. That is our charge in response to the miracle of the Advent. Oh Lord God, we are grateful for the birth of your Son. And as we continue to reflect and live this out, Lord, we pray that we don't just do this in December, but that this is a a reality that affects us throughout the entire year. Lord, help us to draw nearer to you. Help us to encourage one another and share your hope to this world. And help us to continue to gather as we seek to live out your glory here and now. We praise you, O Lord. Amen.